Hey everyone, this is Josh Johnson with Cardboard Chronicles. Today is the first episode, and I'm interviewing Adam Gray, also known as the 27 Guy on Blowout. Adam, how you doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me to do this. Yeah, we're, I'm really excited to have you on as the first guest. I, uh, I've been following your Top 100 thread pretty closely, and I know a lot of other guys are excited about it, so I thought this was a good time to get you on and talk some basketball cards. Awesome. I love it. All right, so let's just get started. Um, why don't you just tell us about yourself, uh, and then also just give us your background story on collecting. Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll tell you just a little bit about me, like outside of the collecting world, and then and then talk a little bit about my um, kind of my time in the in the hobby and, and where I started and all that stuff. So I'm an accountant, uh, typical sort of uh, day job. Work for uh, an investment company, private equity. Um, married, three kids. Those are the important things. Um, but then, uh, kind of moving on to the to the collecting side of things, uh, I started uh, I started collecting cards. I guess when I was like four or five. Oh, wow. So in the in the the mid to late eighties, and really have just kind of kept going since then. The first uh, the first type of card that I can remember collecting sort of the set was 1990 hoops. And then, um, and my, you know, my mom would buy me a pack, uh, after school most days and we would go to the card shop once a week. And I just kind of kept trying to fill my set in. Um, and, and really like, I guess around like 1994, 1995, most of the cool kids moved on to, to other things, but I was the weird kid who just kind of <laughs> kept collecting cards along the way. And, uh, just have, have kind of always enjoyed it since then. Um, I, I worked at a card shop in Salt Lake City called House of Cards uh, between the late 90s and early 2000s for three or four years. Went and served an uh, LDS or a Mormon mission uh, in England for two years and then came back and worked at that card shop for another three years. So um, I've been in the hobby for almost 30 years, which is wow. crazy to say, Yeah, and, uh, have basically done exclusively basketball cards during that time. Some vintage, uh, baseball and football here and there, but mostly just, uh, mostly just basketball. That's crazy, man. That's a long time to be collecting. That's awesome. Um, all right. So we, I know mostly what you collect, but why don't you just describe like kind of, you, you collect a lot. So why don't you just try to like wrap your arms around all the things that you do collect. So I collect, I collect basketball cards. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I've gone, I've done different things through the years. Um, and, and what I found is that, you know, you, you, you don't always get to stick with the same thing for a long time. Um, I've, I've been a set collector. Uh, my first set was the 1986, 87 Fleur set that I put together in the, the uh, mid nineties. Um, finished that when I was like 13 or 14 years old. And then, um, and now I, I really just collect what I like. There was a member who is a band member on, uh, on blowout now called Tristan 20. And he had, uh, in his, in his signature, you know, collect what you like, not, not what is hype. And, and I, that's what I would tell people when I worked at the card shop is I would say, um, you know, people would always come in and they'd be like, what should I buy? And yeah. I always just think that's the strangest question because you should buy what you like. Right. And, um, and those, like, as we get older, things change, right? I, I never thought I would be the sort of guy that would spend, 
a hundred dollars on a, on a card, let alone a thousand dollars. And so, um, but, but as, as you get older and, uh, and, and as you, as your tastes change, uh, as for me, I, I've, I've collected a lot of different things and sometimes those don't line up with what's, um, sort of popular. Yeah. And, and that's actually the best time is when you can collect something that's not popular. Right. Um, and, uh, and so right now though, I'm working on, um, I guess I'm working on three or four main projects. I have a, um, uh, I, I kind of, I've identified the, the, the number 100 as, as a number of cards I'd like in my collection that I want to have a list of that is always changing and always, um, always sort of evolving. And then, and, and, and that gives me basically, um, a limited sort of uh, space to be able to say this is the this is my main piece of my collection. If something falls outside the 100 and it doesn't fit one of my other subgroups of collectibles, then I just say I'm going to stay away from it because there's only so much money to go around. Right? Sure. Definitely a collector on a budget. I don't have endless funds to 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 buy and uh, to buy stuff. So if you so, move something into your top 100, are you selling something else out? Yeah. yeah if, if, unless it fits some uh, something else. Sure. So like, for example, toward the end of the list is a 1969 Chamberlain. Um, one of my other things that I'm doing right now is I'm sort of upgrading all of the Chamberlain cards from 68 through 74. Mm-hmm. And I think I have, I think I have all of them except for his rookie, funny enough. Um, but, uh, but that's one of my side one of my side collections right now is constantly updating the Chamberlains. So I've got my, my top 100, my Chamberlains, my Eminence stuff, mm-hmm. my Eminence base set, and then uh, my Eminence Build-A-Case, and then um, and then just my, my Utah Jazz stuff. So if it doesn't fit inside of one of those things, um, and even sometimes if it does, then then um, then, I'll, then I'll, I'll get rid of it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, those are sort of the, some of the things that I'm working on. You, you kind of answered my next question, but you're really hitting on the thing that I think most new collectors struggle with. And I know I did for the first year. And it's just, you know, what do I buy? And it's usually what's popular. It's usually like Prism at this time. People are looking at that. It's what's like an expensive card, right? Like what what's the most I can get for my money? Yes. As opposed to, well, first of all, like you should spend some time just looking around and like seeing what's out there talking with people and before you buy anything and just figuring out what's the market look like and what, what do you like? What's the, what's something you like the most about the hobby and what cards draw you in, right? That's sort of the best advice you could give totally. Yeah. You know, I like how you've, how you've gone about it because you've identified a player that you like and you've identified kind of things that you want to find. And uh, I would imagine that for you, the chase is, is, is pretty interesting. Right. Um, you, you probably, uh, enjoy that. Um, I like that. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I feel bad a little bit because I've said some, some things about, uh, prism that are, um, I think some people would say are, are critical. I don't mean to be that way. I actually have a number of cards from prism in my collection, including, uh, in, in my top 100 list and in my jazz, uh, collection, but, one of the things that I've found in my time in the hobby is that a lot of times, um, the, whenever the masses move in one direction towards something, 
um, that usually ends up not going well. Yep. And so, um, you know, it, it's hard to figure that out though, because sometimes you collect something and then the masses will go towards it. And then, and then what do you do? Um, most of us, I think have a component that is not only a collector, but we also have this internal component where we don't want to buy something and then have a decrease in value. And yep. so it's sort of this hard thing to balance because we're all, I think most of us are truly collectors, but then we have this sort of investor piece yeah. of us. Yeah. And we, hate, we hate to admit that it feels like a dirty secret, right? But it's, it's real. Like we, we all have that. So, um, you know, I think as that pertains to, um, collecting, you know, as long as you're not trying to just follow the next big thing, but you're actually buying something that you, you find some joy in that you, that really appeals to you. I think that's the value in this because if, you know, the, the economics of the world kind of fall apart on us and suddenly our cards are not worth anything, at least you've got something that you like, right? right? Exactly. At least, at least you bought something that you found enjoyment in. And, and I think that's, um, I think that's more important than the sort of trying to make money thing, yeah. but I get that piece of it too. The the money side is interesting because I've I've tried to dabble on the you know the grading and flipping side, and whenever I do that, I it's pretty hit or miss. Like sometimes I'll make money, sometimes I'll lose, and I've found that the cards that I've done the best on are the ones that are just locked into my PC, and yeah. I feel like the the reason for that is. Um, I'm not as willing, I'm not like in as much of a hurry to get rid of it, right? I'm more willing to hold and like wait for the market to establish. And so as that, as I wait and as the card matures, like the value is just going to, just going to like rise over time based on what it is. So I don't have to panic as much or make poor decisions. I'm just, I'm keeping it for myself. And then in the long run, it'll just sort of work itself out and you don't have to worry as much because you're not trying to sell it. Yeah, I think. I think that's uh, that's smart. I, I, the times where I've gotten in trouble as well, would be very similar story to you, is when I'm specifically buying something to just try to sell it. Yeah, um, it's just it's less enjoyable of a hobby when when your whole goal is to try to make money. Yeah. You got to have other other pieces of it that are that are fun, and then hopefully you know you watch your cards appreciate, and uh, and then after they appreciate, maybe you can turn one card into something else. Yeah, my collection is 100% a result of like buying something, enjoying it, and then having that thing at some point be, being able to move on from it yep. and, and then buy something else. Um, and, and that's partly because, um, you know, you don't want to get too much, accumulate too much stuff. That's something that we have in the hobby, right? We've got a lot of people who it's, it's easy to become a hoarder and yeah. just accumulate and accumulate. We don't probably want to be, at least I don't want to be that person. I don't want to have three bedrooms full of, <laughs> full of, full of stuff. Right. Um, um, so, you know, there's that, but then there's also the money piece, right? Because, because you, you do need, you need funds to be able to buy what you want. Yep. And I'm not one of these guys that's, like I said, able to just go out and spend whatever I want on something. I need to be, I need to be very deliberate in how I collect. And what I found is, is you take, as you take time and you, you know, you're disciplined in what you buy. Sometimes that involves not opening a lot, not opening wax. You know, a yep. lot of people like opening wax and, but, um, but you've got to be really d deliberate and, and thoughtful about how you spend your money. Because if you do that, I think you can, you can really sort of, uh, create some, a really cool collection. Yeah, that's a great point. I've, I've seen a lot of guys get 
frustrated looking at, you know, these massive collections we see on Instagram and these, you know, $100,000, million dollar collections and it's frustrating, but anyone really can get the collection they want if they just take the time and, and, you know, pace yourself. Like you said, not, not everyone's going to have those unlimited funds and it, it's actually more enjoyable as you build up to something as opposed to like spending a huge chunk of money, getting the card you want right away. And then the chase is over, right? Like the chase is a big part of it. So, so people get a little bit carried away looking at these massive collections when really it's, if you just go back to what collect, what you like and take your time, then it'll be a lot more enjoyable that way. Um, I wanted to hit on something else because you, you haven't quite gotten into this area yet. So I, I think I know why, but for me, I'm collecting PC guys. I have two players that I, that I focus on. Okay. And for me, uh, it's a lot harder to grade and flip and move on from stuff because I'm, I'm really going after those players. So, you know, if I get a card of that player, it's really hard for me to want to get rid of that card because right. my collector mentality is I just need everything of those players, right? <laughs> I'm not going to let them go. Uh, unless it's like something super common, like I collect LeBron, so it, getting like a, a a rookie Chrome is really easy for me to get at any point. So you know I could move on from something like that. But if I'm getting like a low numbered card, it's that that, that thing is locked. So I, I've seen a lot of your cards, and I'm, I'm there's like basically very little trend or pattern in terms of what players you're collecting. Is that by design? Are you more focused on the sets? And is it also because if you're not locked into a player like I am, you're 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 more willing to um, evolve your collection and move on and move to different things? And you're asking good questions. Um, I've been locked into specific players repeatedly. Um, my my uh, when I went on my mission, I had probably like either the best or second best Andre Kirilenko collection. <laughs> But I wouldn't uh, even know that. I don't, I don't think I've seen any of your Andre Karolinko cards. Well, I only own, I've only kept a few. But I do still have some that I that I uh, bought originally back in 2002. I think I've still got his credentials rookie and an SP Authentic uh, that's in, that's one, that was one of the first gem mints that was graded by Beckett. Um, I still have a couple Fleur exclusive patch rookies. Um so I collected all of those because I really liked Andre Kirilenko. Um, and, you know, I've done this. I did the same thing with Durant and Anthony Davis. And you can imagine that things went a lot better the second time than the third time than <laughs> went the first time. But um, in, in both of those latter cases, the, the sort of increase in value was so great that um, it became apparent to me that, that they probably got – that they probably gone up enough that it was smart to lock in some gains. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean it from the perspective of like, look at, look at the money I made, but like now I have this extra money. What else can I go out and get in the hobby? Yeah. Right. What other cards? Can I do? Yep. So, um, so you've got, you've got Hardaway and you've got LeBron. Those are your two main guys, right? Yep. Um, if I was to do that, I would probably do it with um, Stockton and Malone. Um, being a jazz guy, uh, and I and I've had a lot of really good Stockton and Malone stuff through the years, but it just I get into that mode where I kind of need to get everything, and 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 that's that's not as fun for me as sort of looking for the the good deals on the iconic types of cards that are out there. Sure. Um, and uh, and so I 
I've not been locked into a player for a little while. I've been tempted with Donovan Mitchell because he's the first rookie we've ever had who's been super hyped. Yep. I've actually stayed away because his prices have been really high. Yep. And uh, again, there's that part of me that doesn't want to buy something and then watch it go down. Not that I don't think he'll continue to to be a, a star, but I just there's the trend that we see in the hobby over and over again is when rookies start out really high, they always they don't always have. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, I, there's nothing wrong with collecting, you know, being lo- locked into a player. I think that's great. It's just for whatever reason, uh, at this stage of, of of my collecting, it's not what I'm doing. But I might end up going back to it. So. Sure. Uh, it, it, the reason I bring it up is because I, I look at you've got the like Rodman and Pippen cards coming through, mm-hmm. and you're a jazz guy. So I'm just like. <laughs> it's funny to see, like for me it's awesome because i those are like amazing cards i love those 90s cards those are my, that's my favorite era that that kind of like 97 96 to like 98 99 range where you got like the rubies and the precious metals you got all those amazing cards and you've got like rodman pippen you've got a lot of bulls guys in that era so it's just interesting for me to see jazz guy the bulls brought you a lot of heartache how, how does that how does that sit with you to be totally clear i hate the shit out of it I yeah. hated I hated Michael Jordan. There's no I such could, thing as a jazz fan from that era that likes the Bulls, right? No, I mean I like Michael Jordan broke our hearts. Dennis Rodman, you know, did Dennis Rodman things and Scottie Pippen shut down John Stockton. Yeah. I can't stand the Bulls. But, you know, they also represent uh they also represent the greatest team of all time. Uh they Jordan represents the greatest player of all time. And that, um, you know, it's fun for me because as we get towards the top of my, my 100, you'll see that some of the, some of the cards that are at the top, um, are, are high end, uh, Jordan, nineties uh, cards. And, uh, I've showed most of those off in other places. So they're not going to, most of them, I don't think are going to be really surprising to anybody who's, who's, who's looking at the thread. Um, but, um, those cards represent the best cards from an era that I really sort of started collecting. Um, you know, those, for, for me, cards from the late 90s, like I never thought I would own a Playmakers Theater of anybody, you know? Yeah. And to have one of Scottie Pippen that's graded a nine, like those cards don't come up very often. There's only a few of them that are graded, and there's only a few of them that are available altogether. I never even saw a Jambalaya when I was working at the card shop, right? Like that, yeah. that set was impossible. And, you know, Stockton and Malone aren't in a lot of those sets. Yeah. Malone is in the Playmakers Theater set. Um, but, you know, again, a lot of it has to do with like what opportunities you have to, to get the card. Sure. Um, you know, I, I've had some, some opportunities recently in the last year or so to, to um, help people piece out collections um, and to get opportunities to buy it at a, at a good price, at a reasonable price, some of these bigger cards. And um, if that happens with Stockton and Malone, I'll probably go after a few of those. But I haven't had, I haven't had as many of those. I've, uh, I've, I, I don't want to say unfortunately because it's been fortunate. Had the chance to, to, to do more of that with Bulls stuff. Um, and, you know, when you get some of those, uh, one of the great lessons I've learned in the hobby is when you get something that's really nice, you might be tempted to sell it quickly so you can get your, you know, your payday. But 
you don't get a chance to get some of those cards again. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll give you one example. One of our good members on Blowout uh, reached out to me a couple years ago and, and, and asked if I was interested in purchasing a Wilt Chamberlain autographed rookie card. <laughs> and I, I did buy it. And it was so cool, graded by PSA, PSA DNA. And I thought, I'm never going to sell this card. This card is awesome. This is like this is like the pinnacle. I'll never be able to get any better than this. And then another member on Blowout reached out to me and he said, hey, you know, this, this first seller, uh, he, he said that maybe you might be interested in selling this to me. And I said, well, I'm not really. But this guy was persistent and he kept asking and asking. And he clearly needed it. He needed it to, to – he was doing a set actually, the complete mm-hmm. set of 61 Fleer autographed. And in the end, this guy just really endeared himself to me. He was super cool. It was clear that he needed the card more than I did. And I relented and I, I sold it to him. I will never get that card back. Right. Right. Like, and so some of these high end cards, if I don't have to sell them, if I'm able to keep them, uh, I, I think I'm just going to keep them. I don't have any interest in selling. Right. Um, but, you know, maybe I'll be persuaded at some point. Just, I guess, not right now. Yeah, I guess it's you get persuaded by the PC guys and the set collectors, right? Because they like if you have a LeBron that I need, I'm going to be pretty persuasive. And if I have if I have a Jordan card that someone else needs, I'm way more willing to give it up because it's just it doesn't fall into any of my categories. I just have it, right? Right, exactly. On that note, um, the uh, the only Hardaway on the list, the only Penny is coming up in the next oh. I think, five or six spots. So Sweet. I. Well, I I shouldn't have ruined the surprise, but it's it's coming up. So it won't anyway. be the same serial number as a card that I have because I only have penny serial numbers. That's getting weird. We can't have that happen anymore. It's really strange. I'll just give the background on that. Uh, first of all, go to blowout forums and just look for the top one hundred, the twenty seven guy, and just go through the list. That's what we keep referencing that, just making sure everyone goes and checks it out. There's been two in like the last four cards. I think it was. Pippin, Playmaker Theaters, serial numbered 63 out of 100, and I own the Penny Hardaway 63 out of 100. And then two days ago was the Dennis Rodman 97's uh, Ruby's Team Skybox. That's right. And it was numbered 40 out of 50, and I was like, that sounds familiar too. So I pull out mine, 40 out of 50. You know, when I saw that first, I thought, I'll bet you you'll have some people who will start wondering, because you're well acquainted with the sort of the the you know the, the the fakes that we've learned of recently yep and uh and and it, it just it seems like a pretty big coincidence that you would see those two serial numbers multiple times yeah, that's true to, to give you some level of comfort though each of those cards came from um, a collection that was untouched for over a decade um that was literally sitting in a um a closet for 10 years and so each of mine so i like zero worries about either one of those zero worries about authenticity like those are as legit as they come and i don't know why somebody would be silly enough to you know use the same serial number over and over again but it was kind of a funny coincidence so if we have if we have have it happen again that'll be I, I don't know. That'll be the trifecta, I guess. Like, it's it's hard enough just to get two people that have those cards, right? Like, you have to, like, scour Instagram to just find that specific card, let alone, like, the same serial number. Right. Um, okay, so let's see. Next question. So we've talked a ton about collect what you like. I had that question, and you went right into it, and that's why I brought you on, but you went right into it naturally. 
So you've referenced this uh, Bulls collection and the guy that had it in his closet. Tell yeah. me, I want to know about the deal. I want to know how you met the guy, how the deal went down, and just like that whole beginning to end story. Because yeah, those kind of stories are so rare and they're, they're cool to hear. Yeah, that's uh, that's a crazy story. Um, in all of my time in the collecting, that's the, of collecting, that's the single craziest thing that's happened to me. Um, it's a uh, it's a long story. I don't want to I don't want to kind of go through all of the the details of it. But I but I think where I would start would be that um, you know when when you I've had people ask me this question a few times. They've said, you know, why do you openly talk about what you have? Why don't you, you know, you should, you should be hiding what you have. You should be sort of keeping it secret and then selling it later, right? Like that's, that's how, that's how this works. And I'm obsessive about actually doing the opposite, which is like, like talking about it. And, um, and so my style is a little bit differently or a little bit different, um, around, around that. I, I kind of, I'm a believer that, that we should we should have fun with this, right? The 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 local card store for me no longer exists. There isn't one that, that I go to. So for me, my sort of collecting and um, interacting with people now happens online. And so I feel free to like to show people what I have and and to talk to them about what they have. And it's not it's not all about you know money or how great a card is. I spend probably as much time as I do on the, on the poverty mail thread as I do as I do some of the others because I I like what people what other people like you know I like other collectors that are dollar box guys and I like collectors that are super high end. That's what's great about our hobby is it is it really like it's great. I've, I've always said this: it's great if you've got five bucks a week and it's great if you've got five grand a week. You know you you can you can make the hobby fun for you regardless of your budget and. And, um, and I, and I like the idea that other cool people are, um, are, you know, starting to collect again. Um, that's what we want, right? We want a larger collector base. We want more people interested and we want to attract people. We want to be kind to people. We want to be helpful. We want to, you know, we want, we want to make, we want to make the forums fun and not, you know, not sometimes you see people get bitter and mean and bad and I'm not good at, I'm not good with that. Um, I'm, I'm naturally sort of, I want to be, I want to be helpful and, uh, friendly. I don't, I'm not like out there trying to do bad things or prove a point or anything. And so anyway, that's my long way of sort of saying that if I feel like if you're that guy, if you're open about what you collect and what you do and what you're trying to work on, then opportunities come to you. And so I've had, in the last three or four years, I've had some of the craziest experiences where even people locally, people in other countries, people, um, obviously just people domestically, like have reached out and said, Hey, I've seen you, um, you know, on the blowout forums and, um, I've seen you selling stuff online and I'm wondering if you can help me with this. What's this worth? What's that? Um, you know, my, my husband passed away and I'm looking to, to move this. Um, and I don't know how to go about it. How can, you know, how can you help me? And so, um, and so I'm like very open with people. Like, here's what you have. Here's what I think it's worth. Here's what I think you should do with it. Um, here's how much fees that eBay is going to take. And, and if you'd be more interested in just selling to me, then I, then I can do that. Now I'm not going to take your time. I'm not going to take your cards, sell them for you, do it all for free. Right? Like that's, that's, that's not, 
it's not smart and it's also not fair to me okay. because I need to, you know, I need to, to, I've got a busy life. I've got to make it worth it for me too. And so what I've done is I've just been super open with people and said, look, here, here's what you have. You have something that's worth more than you thought it was or less than you thought it was. Here's how I would move it. And, um, and then you have to do your due diligence too, because there's a lot of theft, right? And there's people who are, who are, um, trying to make off with, with money that's not theirs. And so you've got to find out where stuff came from. You've got to feel very comfortable with it. And that's a long process. Uh, it's not, it's not always easy. Um, those, uh, some of those bulls cards came from a collection where I was nervous at first that, um, because somebody was basically what happened in this situation is some, uh, there was a person who was selling cards on eBay and was selling them for far too cheap. Mm -hmm. And, um, I got a hold of this person and said, I want you to know you're, you're kind of making a mistake. You're, you're, you're selling these way cheaper than you should be. Um, and, and the individual replied back, well, how am I supposed to know what each individual card is worth? And that's when I went, these are stolen. Right. And, uh, and, and I, and I thought I, I, you know, I can't, I can't buy something from somebody if it's stolen. And so I, I reached out again and, and did some more dil, dil, due diligence and came to find out that this individual is a female and her uh, husband had passed away and had mm -hmm. passed away almost 10 years ago. Wow. And that's, that's, so whenever you see me say I'm blowout, this, I know where this came from. Sure. I've, I've talked to this lady. I've gotten her handwritten thank you notes in the mail in old person's handwriting. I've, <laughs> I've followed every bit of detective work on this that you can follow. And this is an old lady who, whose husband passed away and she needed help. And so tens of thousands of dollars later of helping her, not, not, not always buying. Um, I bought some stuff, but um, I sold way more for her and helped her sell way more for her. Um, and she and I developed a great friendship and, uh, she sold to probably another, you know, 30 or 40, pe 40 people before she met me. And what we came, what I came to find out was these people were trying to get all the cards from her that they, they mm -hmm. could for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, like I led with, if you're kind and you're honest and you're helpful and you, and you try to say, look, this is what you have and here are some of your options. Like, for example, I was able to tell this lady, look, you can grade some of these and make a lot more money. And in some of them, she was, she was like, well, I, she wanted to redo her kitchen. And she said, you know, I'd love some help doing this and this and this. And I said, okay. And so some of them, she wanted to just, you know, she wanted to sell to me quickly. And some of them she was willing to wait on, um, after she got to a certain dollar amount. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, that's, that's a little bit of that long story and I still made it way longer than I should have, should have. I'm sorry, Josh, but no, it's a great but story. I guess, like I said, the, 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 the main point that I would drive home is like, be honest about what you collect. Don't be greedy in terms of like, I need to go make as much money as I can and, and be willing to say to people, you know, this is how I, this is how I'm going to sell it. This is what I think it'll sell for. And, you know, this is what I would be willing to give to you. And then, you know, be fair to yourself, take your percentage. Right. But if you're, if you're able to do that, if you're willing to do that, you can, you can come across some awesome collections and, uh, and be helpful to somebody else along the way. Sure. And to your point, as those, as those opportunities keep coming up and as you keep 
approaching them in a fair, honest, nice way. They're just going to keep coming because people are going to see, oh, this guy handled this amazingly. Let me, you know, now now I feel comfortable going to him and showing him what I have. And the same thing happens with, uh, I'll just speak from a, a player PC side of things. I try to do the same approach with those two players that I collect. And I, and I, I reach out to other people who collect those players and I, I converse with them. And I'm, I'm not trying to approach it like, hey, you know, I'll do whatever it takes. Give me that card. I need that card. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a whatever, uh, I'm a better, you know, collector of that player. I deserve it more. If you go about it that way, then you're just going to push away the rest of the people that are in those PC collections and you're going to, you're going to alienate yourself. So if you're, if you're friendly to those people who also collect that player, you're going to start to be associated with that player. So like when someone comes across a card of that guy that they, they want to move, they're just going to think of you, right? Because you're ingrained in the hobby, you're friends with everybody, and um, you're honest and fair. So it, it really, that approach works in all types of ways throughout the hobby. It doesn't just, you know, it it, it's, it, it generates these amazing stories like you have, but it, it works in so many different ways. I couldn't agree more. Yep. All right, we're getting past 30 minutes, so I'm going to give you one more question. Sure. And we'll wrap it up. 27, what is that? Tell me, what, why, why 27? Okay. I'm so glad you asked this. I've talked about it um, a couple times, but it's uh, it's it's fun. Thank you for asking. Um, so uh, the 27 uh, to me was kind of my lucky number uh, when I was in um, when I was in high school. All good things sort of happened. It seemed to happen on the 27th day of the month. Um, uh, I was I was. Uh, I won't go into all the things that were that were lucky about the number twenty seven when I was in high school, but so I was uh, I was actually baptized into my church on the twenty seventh, um, and I had some other experiences that all that happened on the twenty seventh, and so I noticed that the number twenty seven sort of kept popping up, and then um, my favorite product of the year when I was working at the card shop came in. Uh, it was uh, Legends Basketball, Century Legends. And it was the first time they had done a jersey in every case of, of the product. And we ordered a case of it at House of Cards. Um, and so the case got there. And, and the way that cases used to work was uh, they would have the NBA hologram somewhere on the case. And there would be a serial number on the hologram. Well, we got uh, the line that we got was like from number 20 to 31, something like that. Uh, those were the 12, 12 boxes that we got. I think it was 12. It might have been more. But uh, anyway, the, suffice it to say that the number 23 was on, one of the, was on one of the holograms. And my boss had had this great run of luck on, on picking boxes for people. So I asked him, like with my you know, paycheck for the week, I was like, you know, can, can you grab me a box of, of, of Legends? And so he grabbed it for me, and he grabbed me number 23, and he said, he's just like, Adam, they don't, uh, his name's Jeff, Jeff, and Jeff's like, Adam, Upper Deck doesn't mess around with stuff like this, this is going to be the box. <laughs> and, and so I opened it, and it was the year that the Sporting News had like ranked everyone, all the NBA's greatest 50 players from 1 to 50. If I remember right, they replaced Drexler with uh, Dominique Wilkins at number 50. Um and so I, you know, I opened it and I loved the base set. I thought it was awesome. I got to my one, or I should tell you at first, there's a box topper that was a Jordan floor card, a jumbo Jordan floor card. 
And the one that I got was two color and had part of the three point line on it. And so I was hyped. I was like, oh, this is great. This is like a 90, 100, $120 card or something. And it ended up being that it paid for most of the box and I didn't want the, the, the floor card a lot. And so I felt good about, good about that. Or I felt good that I pulled that. And then the autograph that I got was Paul Arizon. And uh, as you know, he was one of the one of the oldest members of the NBA's greatest 50 team. And so I was really excited about that card, too. And I felt like, you know what? I had a pretty good box. I've got most of the base set. I've got this autograph. I've got this floor card. You're right, Jeff. Number 23 box was a good box. Great, great pick. So not like two hours later, definitely the same day, one of our very best customers, uh, Barry, walked in. And Barry asked Jeff to pick him a box. And you can guess which box number. 26. <laughs> 27. <laughs> 27. And so Barry, uh, Barry got the box open or, you know, started going through packs. And we had probably, you know, this is what's great about the local card store, right? Probably 10 people around <laughs> shooting the breeze, talking sports. And uh, I've always just been the biggest history of the the uh, biggest fan of the history of the game. I I love old basketball. I love vintage stuff. I love those conversations. That's why I love legends. And so we're all just talking, and we kind of stopped watching Barry, uh, really. But we were all ga- gathered around, and he was just making his way through the packs. And then he stopped, put the cards down on the table, and took a step away, and looked down at him. And I remember. The first, I didn't even see it. I, I The first thing I heard was Jeff yell to the manager, Mitch, and just said, Mitch, you got to come look at this. And I looked down, and there was an autographed jersey, Michael Jordan, number something out of 23. Wow. And in those days, like in these days, like you see stuff like that every now and then. Yeah, and the sure. big collectors have most of it. We had never seen anything like this. Right. I'd never seen a Michael Jordan autograph out of anything. It was easily the biggest pull that had ever come out of that shop at that time. He, he ended up selling it. He didn't want to, but he got at that time $7,000 for it was an unbelievable price. And uh, for me, I knew, you know, that that, that, kit, that that card absolutely could have been mine. And I held, I held the 27. Right. And uh, I, uh, I messed up though. I, I got 23, which um, I sold the eras in a few years ago when I bought my house, and I needed to I needed to liquidate my collection. Um, but I still have uh, I still have my singles actually from that box. Um, I sold the Jordan. I still have the the, the, the commons um, from the set all in all in pages, uh, just because I love that set so much. Um, and those are kind of a reminder to me and the name, the 27 guys are a reminder to me just, uh, you know, that, uh, that maybe 27 is better than number 23. So that's kind of, that, that's kind of where it comes from. That's awesome, man. So you've, you've stuck with 27 since that, that mistake, right? And we'll go back to 23. It's always 27. So Jordan was in the 27 and in the 23 box was not, was not the Jordan like everyone expected. Interesting. All right, man, this was really awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Thanks for coming on. Um, I think we should definitely do a couple more of these. Um, I, we'll just keep it going, man. I'm I'm open. You're an awesome host. Um, thanks for for giving me the time. You, you know, I'm pretty obsessive about talking about this stuff. So, thanks for giving me an outlet. And I really hope that uh, 
that you, you know you're able to to get some other guys on and, and that the channel goes really well i'll definitely be following it and uh just thanks for being an awesome member on the boards and always being cool and uh, i would i'll definitely see you around there thanks man awesome well thanks again for coming on and uh this was great man amazing stories i'm super excited to uh watch this one back all right thanks josh see you later man okay see you dude